millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. no other um, example of this Dratuki was that, you know, it was the beginning of it. I didn't know what it meant really at that time. And so it was a, a jump into the unknown, a leap of faith. It's not just a little river, it's becoming a waterfall. Kia ora. I'm Liz Garten and this episode of Eyewitness is about a little primary school at the foothills of the Uruwera Ranges in the Bay of Plenty. It's called Te Farikura o Ruatuki. It was established in 1896, but its real claim to fame would come nearly a century later, when that little school in the heart of Tuhui became an anchor for the Māori language, one that caught deep and held strong. Te reo Māori had gone from being spoken everywhere, even by many Pākehā settlers, to being drowned out by English. The language was becoming confined to Koroa, the older generations, and small rural pockets. By the 1970s, the first generation of Māori born after the urban migration began arriving at university. Their parents and grandparents had come to the city and abandoned their language, and now this generation was feeling the loss. They became the catalyst for change, and we began to see a concerted push to have more te reo everywhere, but especially in schools. In Ruatoki, the lobbying began to have the tamariki taught in their language. There were many, many whees, and there were many, many journeys to Wellington. This is Turuhira Hare on RNZ's Checkpoint programme in 2018. She's a teacher at the school, but describes her role during the changeover as... Mother help, come secretary, come everything. Well, I was the one taking all the briefcases and all the papers and while um, Timotsi and Hirini Mabin and Farihuya and them did all the fighting, the bargaining with the, with, the, with the ministers and I would be sitting there listening to all our, our elders fight for the kura because it didn't just take one hui, it took a whole year. Partly that was because some in Tuhui just weren't sure about it. There were also opposition from our own people. They didn't want bilingualism, they, they, they wanted mainstream, so they took all their children out into the mainstream schools in Whakatane and Taneatra. So that happened as well. And, and, and a lot of our families, like back then in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, you know, there, was a, there were full buses bringing children into Ruatoki from Whakatane, not from Nazi or other tribal areas, but there were also full buses leaving the valley to go take them out into the Pākehā schools. But mainly, Tuhui wanted the school, and they fought to get it. Dr Richard Benton worked for the New Zealand Council of Educational Research for 25 years. 
His work in the 70s showed just how perilously close the Māori language was to disappearing. And it was in 1973 that he wrote a booklet raising the idea of bilingual schooling. But back then, the Department of Education would only cop to, yeah, OK, we'll consider it, but without commitment. Benton says the breakthrough came much later when the outgoing education minister, Les Gandar, asked John Rangiho the one thing he could do for Māori. Rangiho asked for a bilingual school at Ruatoki, and the decree went out. The department then had to comply. The school got the go-ahead, and a new principal was brought in, Tafiri Matia Williams. I was jumping into the unknown, and what the heck was bilingual education? What's a Māori medium education? Uh, uh, even the, uh, the departments uh, didn't know what it meant really at that time. And in many ways, they sort of left their they said, well, do your job and let's see what happens. Well, um, we'll have a saying in Māori, mata mahira no ka mohi. By doing the job, you will learn to do the job as you do it. Williams was pretty quickly put to the test. So these people came to see Khan at the school. One was a fellow called Tuhitare no Hitima, and he was a gigantic man. He must have been about 24, 25 stone. That's how we weighed people in those days. A, man, a massive man. And a, a, an, another woman called Tikina, but her, her name was doing it as Jai. And Jai was a shortened form of Giganto. So these two massive people came to see Karanai. Didn't know them. Mm-hmm. And said, hey, you two have got to come to the Marae Papakainga on Wednesday afternoon where the people will welcome you. Well, I was scared. I was scared to hell. The marae was packed. And I knew that this was going to be my first challenge. And to tell you the truth here, I wasn't a competent speaker. I was barely a speaker of Māori, mm-hmm. little and two-way Māori. But I had always been of the determination I needed to speak my language. And Williams had a not-so-secret weapon, his wife, Carr. I always knew that... The people to whom my wife belonged, which was the Tuhe people, was the place for me to go. Ka is from Ruatahuna. She got a job teaching at the school too. It was a bit better because they knew me mm. and they knew who I was, where I had come from, and, uh, and they were quite good with me. And they had to be good with him as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you came as yeah. a, a double team. Yeah. Actually, yes. 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 There was tension at the beginning because um, for a number of years. Actually. Yeah. And the teachers thought, you know, who's this guy who coming is? about? Yeah. Who is he? Yeah. Is he got a two boy. Yeah. Can't even speak Maori very well. Yeah. No. No. Just and I had the idea against to think that I could start the first Māori medium uh, mm. uh, school mm. in New Zealand and I wasn't a fluent speaker of Māori myself, no. but I was a good teacher. Mm. Mm. Yes. But back to that May evening in 1978 in a room full of two hoi people. There are two old men who stood and spoke, and they're both past now. And one of them said to me, this, this is the essence of what he was saying, we are an introspective people... We are inward-looking people, and we keep within our boundaries. We keep within our hills, we keep within our forests, we keep in our valleys, we keep within our rivers and our streams and so on. But now, with this school being appointed as the pioneering school for bilingual Māori medium education in New Zealand, 
and you being appointed as the principal of the school, he said, Tu Hui now is no longer able to stay in the midst of Hinebukaurangi. It can't stay to itself isolated as it wants to be in its hills and its valleys. Tu Hui is now being put in front of all the tribes of New Zealand. He said, even though there are people going to the moon, yeah, we don't worry about that. And he said, be careful. You have the mana, the maori, the tapu of tuhue in your hands. Look after it. How do you respond to that? I didn't know what to say. I honestly didn't know what to say. But that's one of the things that I will never, ever forget. In that first test, it wasn't his last. Williams felt constantly tested. You have to be strong to survive. And, and it's a test of you as a person. Uh, it's a test of you and your belief in yourself as a person and your own identity too, for that matter, uh, and your own strength, your own tenacity, your, your knowledge of where, what you want to do and where you're going. All of these things are constantly tested all the time, all the time. And so if you're um, up to it, you'll stand. If you're not up to it, you'll fall over. And you were there for how long? 19 years. <laughs> you did pretty well then. <laughs> I didn't do too bad then. And I am very forever grateful for spending those 19 years with those two Hui people. Back in 1978, Williams had a job to do and he got on with it. Even though he didn't always get the support he should have, like when he was invited along to the Fakatani Principals Association monthly meeting to talk about his kaupapa. They were quite negative about it. And I felt that in the comments, I felt that in the attitude. I felt like as though Tu Hui was being accused of setting up terrorists within the valley to be against the system and against the people. Mm -hmm. This was the action of the principles. And because of that strong negative reaction, it didn't come out actually in words, but in feelings, you can feel these things, I never ever went back to one of the meetings again mm -hmm. for the next 18 years. I never returned. For the students, the change in their school was barely noticeable. It was just another day at school for them, like it was for all of us. Um, it wasn't sort of like um, the curtain had been opened and our, our big and bright new world is out there. No, it was just uh, school as usual. Although in some ways they were starting from scratch. There were no books written in Māori. So what I did was take them down to the stream that was down there and get them to collect watercress. Uh, and so we made up a book about going to collect watercress, something simple and something that they knew about. Um, if we were doing maths, we'd go out and catch grasshoppers. There's maths in there and there's science in there and nature study in there. And we'd catch spiders and things like that. I didn't, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> Tafari Matia describes it as learning drawn from the community. The trees, the birds, the forest and all those sorts of things. Um, and my wife used to take me down to the, down to the creek and they were through with no clothes on and things like that. <laughs> things you wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, we did it in those days. Yeah. Car also helped get the school sports team into the local leagues. We'd take them in 
in buses, and I couldn't drive that well. But I had to get a, a you know, a license or whatever it is. So they gave me little buses. Tafiri Matia says the school was something of an experiment, and people came from all around the country and all over the world to see what they were up to. I don't think the kids appreciated it, understood what was happening to them until they grew up to be adults, and suddenly they re- they looked back at them. My God. He's spot on. Hans Tiakiwai is principal of Te Farikura Oruatoki now. He was a seven-year-old student there when it officially became bilingual. It wasn't anything new because we had grown up in early childhood uh, before Kohan and all the instruction was in the deal. We were surrounded by deal. So really, uh, school was just school. And when I sit down and look at the stuff we did, you know, our curriculum was based, it was localised curriculum. We would go down just below our school here near one of our local marae and we would go eeling. We'd be taken to, to local uh, sites and uh, told the history. We would have a lot of involvement from our community and I think that was one of the biggest things when I look back on it now is that our, our whole community was involved in this kaupapa. So it wasn't just the school that was carrying it. So we had our teachers who were in our classrooms and we were fortunate at the time that we had a large number of kaumatua who, were, who still had te reo. We still do now, but we didn't realise what we had in terms of um, resources, human resources that were available to us. Teakewa can see the benefit a bilingual education had for him and his peers. What it's done for us is it's made us look uh, more broad at the, at the world around us. It allows us, in terms of making decisions, um, to look at things not from one perspective, but from our, from two perspectives, as we walk in both worlds. And I think uh, the, for us, the, the world is a richer place in terms of we can understand, we can communicate better in both spaces. And he's passionate about Farikura and their growth across the country. There's a saying, Me tiro whakamuri whakamua. we look into the past and we take some of the lessons from the past to help us as we move forward into the future. Ruatoki was the first, but over the next several years, more schools became bilingual. Although, in Ruatoki's case, bilingual might have been a bit of a misnomer. Here's Tafiri Matia again. We started school in May, and we were teaching English Māori, English Māori. I said, Ka, stop it. Teach Māori for one term completely, and don't go to, to, be, to be bilingual. So when we finished the term, I said, now what, what, what do you want? He says, I ain't going back to teaching bilingual. I'm teaching total mission Māori. So we were bilingual, but we're teaching total mission Māori. That was an important stepping stone for Ka and I into our Māori and how to have a feel and appreciation of the kind of Māori language you teach. It's not just a linguistic skill, it is a human skill. Te Farikura Ōrua Toki goes all the way up to year 13 now, it's got a role of more than 200 students. And as of July this year, there were nearly 300 schools around the country with students enrolled in Māori medium education, which really just means they're learning in te reo Māori more than half the time. Ruatoki's transformation into a bilingual school was the beginning of a huge movement to rejuvenate a language. Māori children, they're actually growing up being proud, proud that they are Māori and the language is the one that gives them the pride. Tafiri Bhatia left me with a little language lesson of my own. And I tell these people, 
ka kai te miro te gahiri. Huri hia te rā manu, te noho pē rātonu. Oh, sorry, dear. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't. <laughs> but I know you're, like, you're very good at explaining it as you go along, so I'm very good. That bird who has as its foundations the knowledge of the forest, the trees and its food, that bird can go to be knowledgeable of the world. Right? Don't leave his knowledge out and ignore it and just go to the, the knowledge of the world. Bring it with him. That's his foundation. That's who he is. That's his identity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Eyewitness, produced by me, Liz Garten, and engineered by Rangi Poak. The waiata you heard through this episode is from Nga Taonga Sound and Vision. It's a recording of Te Farakura Orua Toki students from the early 80s, and I think you could probably hear Car Williams in there as well. My heartfelt thanks to both Tafiri and Ka, who took time out of their very busy day to speak with me, to Hans Tiakiwa, who pointed me in the right direction and tried to round up some relatives for me, and especially to Rawinia Higgins and David Green for giving me the historical context for the story. Eyewitness and all RNZ's podcasts are available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio or wherever you find your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and rate us while you're there. Kakitiano. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.